What's going on everybody and welcome back to another installment of Unquestionable with Calvin Smith and I'm your host Calvin. Today I have a super interesting interview as always ready for you guys. I am talking to Mr. Neil Waters who is the owner and operator of Tagoa, the thylacine awareness group of Australia. Now Neil has spent the better half of his life studying and researching this animal that may or may not be extinct today. And for those of you who are unaware of what a thylacine is, here's a quick description from Wikipedia of what the thylacine is. And a thylacine, according to Wikipedia, is an extinct carnivorous marsupial that was native to Australia's mainland and the islands of Tasmania and New Guinea. And the last known live thylacine was captured in 1930 in Tasmania and unfortunately passed away in 1936 due to negligence. They actually, the zoo that it was captive in, somehow forgot it outside and it died from the cold. So that's super sad just to think about that. This beautiful animal that was possibly the last of its kind dying due to negligence from us dumb humans. But anyways, Neil Waters has spent the better half of his life studying this animal. And we discuss in depth in this episode why he thinks the thylacine is real and why it still exists in Australia. So we're going to cover some of that evidence and anecdotal evidence in this episode. Now I do have to preface that I did mention a video that I started watching just before mine and Neil's call. And uh, it described a Mexican guy um, in Mexico who supposedly found a thylacine in Mexico. Now, right there in lies the problem that thylacines don't uh, come from Mexico. So I don't know why I was not necessarily convinced that uh, I this video that I watched was of a thylacine in Mexico. But uh, luckily I had Neil there to put me in check. Um, I had just watched the video once again before calling in, so I hadn't had much time to really even sit and think about it much at all. I was quite literally in the middle of the video when mine and Neil's call started. So that was kind of my bad. Um, don't mind me talking about the weird uh, Mexican thylacine. That's that's not, that's not relevant at all. We do kind of go on a tangent about the chupacabra for a second and kind of lighten things up, but... Uh, yeah, don't don't mind me. Uh, that's that was my skepticism failing me for a minute there. So <laughs> anyways, let's dive into this really interesting interview with Mr. Neil Waters, owner and operator of Tagoa, the Thylacine Awareness Group of Australia. All right, guys, we're back with Unquestionable, and today I'm joined by a super special guest. I'm really interested about um, the things we're going to talk about today. Um, I'm joined by Mr. Neil Waters of the Thylacine Awareness Group of Australia. So welcome, Neil. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so as we were kind of talking before we started recording, I've been super interested in this, the possibility ever since I was a kid of the thylacine still being an existing creature that is still roaming around the world. Um, but before we get too deep into, you know, the evidence available for that, um, can you maybe let the audience know a little bit about the thylacine and what a thylacine is? Because I'm assuming there's probably a couple people who are listening, probably have no idea what we're even talking about. <laughs> 
Yeah, okay. Um, well, it's more commonly known as a Tasmanian tiger because, um, you know, in recent history, it was known to exist in Tasmania because when the white settlers came here in the early 1800s, you know, they, they started to see them and um, before too long, they discovered that they may be a threat to their sheep. So, you know, the shepherds and stuff. So they started persecuting them. But it's a really unusual animal. It's a marsupial. So it's got a pouch like a kangaroo, um, but it's got a backward facing pouch um like a wombat so that right, the right. young go in from the rear because it's a four-legged creature um it's it's a unusual looking thing in the sense that it looks like a dog um and it's kind of evolved to fill that niche of a wolf um but it sort of acts like a cat in its behavior to a degree the way it hunts and things um and it runs like a horse so um it's a real peculiar beast um They've got stripes along the rear of the rump that seem to appear in the tail on some individuals. Um, they're not uh, terribly huge, but their males can get to a reasonable size. We've got sightings of them being as big as an Alsatian or bigger than a greyhound. Mm. Um, so the males can get to a reasonable size. Females are a little bit smaller. She has up to four young and it, uh, when she has a litter. Um, they call them pups, but I tend to call them joeys because that's what we call marsupials, uh, right, right. Um, kangaroos. So I call them joeys, but some people call them pups. It doesn't really matter. Um, and they only breed every couple of years. I don't think they breed annually. I think they're quite slow growing and a slow breeder. Um, and the young will stay with mum till they're, you know, quite adolescent. So they're almost not fully grown, but they're at a reasonable size when they finally leave mum. Um, they prey on other marsupials, birds, lizards, all sorts of things. They, they do take sheep occasionally, um, but they're primarily, you know, going to go for their native food, I think. Gotcha. So they were never and still aren't a danger to humans, right? Well, there's a bit of conjecture about that. Um, there's no actual stories as far as I'm aware of people being attacked by them. Um, I'm sure if you went near a lair and it had some um, joeys in there, you might end up in a bit of strife. Um, they, they are very curious. They're known to stalk people and follow them. The first sighting I had, I was stalked and it scared the crap out of me, to be honest. But um, it wasn't that big an animal, so I don't think I was ever in any real danger. But I think they're very curious because they're the apex predator and when someone bigger than them is cruising around. They sort of want to know who's in their zone, I guess. Yeah. So they come in for a look and they they will follow you. There's a, quite a few records of them following people. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's pretty good description there. Um, so I'm curious because you, you kind of, um, when you speak about the thylacine, you know, you speak about it as if, you know, it's alive today. Um, so, you know, I guess in short, um, why are we even having this conversation? You know, why, um, you know, why do you think that the thylacine is still alive today as opposed to being extinct? And I think it was the 1930s is when it was um, declared an extinct species. Um, now, the last captive animal died in 1936, mm -hmm. but they were actually declared extinct in 1986. Okay. So it has to be missing for 50 years before that can happen gotcha. on a world standard. Um, I guess I've, I've seen three 
Okay. Um, the, the third one I saw was quite recently in March last year, and it was just under the headlights. But I've seen a lot of animals under the headlights in Tasmania and on the mainland. Um, and this thing had eyes like golden colored diamonds. They were the sparkliest eyes I've ever seen under headlight ever. And you see a lot of animals in Tasmania. There are you know, literally millions of animals on the roads at night in Tassie. There's a lot of roadkill. Right. Um, but the reason why we're having this conversation, I guess, is because, because of this stuff um, <laughs> and governments wanting to make lots of this and, you know, wildlife and conservation often gets in the way, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, and it would be a fool to say that, you know, this hasn't had an influence on its extinction declaration um, and the agenda of forestries in Tasmania in particular. Um, it's just scientific ignorance on the mainland that won't accept that they're there. There has been a couple that were found in caves in the 1960s on the Nullarbor in South Australia and Western Australia that were so fresh that they had black goo under them from decomposing oh, right, and maggot right. casings next to them. But the really? scientists did some radiocarbon testing and they were at least 2,000 years old you know, with, with maggot hmm. casings next to them. Interesting. So um, we have had a couple of specimens on the mainland that have been found. There's rumours of them being found and snatched up by national parks and you know they hmm. disappear into the ether. That's happened a few times on the mainland as well. Um, but, you know, in Tassie, there, a lot of people are employed by forestries. Um, the animals still persist in Tasmania, even though forestries is a big industry. And, you know, we need timber, we need paper, we need toilet paper, especially during COVID. Um, <laughs> That's right. So, um, you know, you can't expect industries to be completely shut down. You would just hope that governments and industries would be at the world's best standard with the way they perform to try right. and you know protect the environment to the best of their capacity gotcha so do you think that's um that there's some sort of i guess conspiracy i guess you could call it to kind of cover up the existence of the thylacine do you think that like the government is purposely trying to um cover up its existence yep okay absolutely um, uh, I don't like the word conspiracy because right, immediately right. you end up with a, a pointy tinfoil hat on your head, you know, the minute you say that. But right. there's just too many rumours and too many stories. They can't all be bullshit, you know. Some of them have to be true. Um, and there, there are literally thousands of sightings of this animal, but we have a government, not just the state government in Tasmania, but we have a federal government in Australia that just wants to drag their heels because it serves their purpose. Um, and the establishment, and when I say the establishment, I mean the noted scientists that are the so-called experts in this field, I, I would refer to them as ostriches. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. Um, well, I guess kind of going off that and going off of like the, um, the preservation of the thylacine, tell me a little bit more about... Uh, Tagoa, the Thylacine Awareness Group of Australia. What, um, what's exactly your guys' mission with the group? What's um, well, what the daily? The name says it all. You know, I, I decided to start it off because I had my first sighting in 2010. Then I had another sighting in 2014. And not long after that, I got quite sick. I had pulmonary embolism and I was mm. um, bedridden for about three weeks recovering. Yeah. So I got on the laptop 
and started researching and because I thought I'd seen two of these things. There's got to be something more to this. Got on Facebook, found a couple of groups, um, made myself unpopular because of my strong beliefs of what I'd seen. Um, and I'd also found some prints as well um, when just after I had the second sighting. And um, it slowly but surely led to me starting my own Facebook group, I suppose. So I had a forum and my original idea was to give witnesses somewhere to come forward with their information right, without right. being mocked or ridiculed by narrow-minded twits. Um, and I, you know, I caused a lot of arguments. I had a lot of arguments online in the early days. I try not to argue with people so much. Sure. I was adamant that I could convince everyone that I was right and they should follow me. Well, you know, that doesn't work in life. Um, right. And you've just got to let people come at their own pace and believe what they want to believe. And that's just a fact of life with anything, really. Um, so I started the group in November 2014. And the whole idea was to raise awareness because what happened, what triggered it was um, I went to the South Australian Museum because I'm originally from Adelaide in South Australia. And I just casually went into the information section where they answer a lot of public questions and you can bring mm -hmm. in bugs and stuff to get identified and I just sort of said to the fella behind the counter I said oh do you get any thylacine sightings reported mm, to you and right. he said oh just wait here for a sec he went out the back and he opened up this filing cabinet and he came out with this folder about you know this thick wow probably four inches thick and opened it up on the bench and just started going through them and showing them all to me and there was not hundreds but there was over a hundred there was dozens of these sightings in there and I just sort of said to him I said do you investigate this stuff? And he said, no, we haven't got the time or resources for that. We just write it down, put it in here and shove it in the filing cabinet. Oh. And so I said, oh, any chance I could get a copy? And he said, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so I raced off to um, office supply shop down the road and I bought myself a little portable scanner that you put a couple of double nice. A batteries in and just drag it over a document. The next day I went straight in there after work and I scanned all these documents thinking that they were going to put them away and lock them away and I'll never get to see them again. I ended up with this whole big file of all these sightings and some of them were quite old. Some of them were reasonably recent and there was phone numbers in there. So I started ringing people up and they were like, oh God, that was years ago, you know? And I said, oh, would you have a chat to me about it? And they said, sure. So I started meeting people and getting their stories and I was just blown away, you know, all this information. And I had no idea that they were in South Australia um, up until, you know, the middle of 2014. So once I got all these sightings and started to realise the areas where they were occurring, I thought, well, no one else is investigating. I've got all this info. I might as well investigate it. And that was where the obsession began, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I mean, if, if you, if I was in the same boat as you, you know, a couple of years ago, I was kind of down a little bit of the same type of rabbit hole to where I was really into just investigating extinct or supposedly extinct species and, you know, looking at like cryptids and stuff, um, yep. you know, and I kind of fell down a rabbit hole of investigating this stuff. So I would be in the same boat as you. If I came across a file, you know, my pain, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would, I would do the exact same thing. Um, and like I said, before we started recording, I have been interested in the thylacine for years. I remember, I think it was like middle schools when I first saw like the video of the thylacine in the zoo. 
and um, when it was opening its jaw and seeing, do their jaws dislocate? Because I mean, they're able to from no, the videos. no, they've got a hundred and twenty degree gape though. So wow. it's, like an it's almost a flip top head. That's but crazy. if you ask a scientist, they'll tell you that they didn't have very strong jaws and they only ate little animals, you know? Hmm. I don't know, because just by looking at the videos, <laughs> that looks like a pretty scary looking mouth. When it, <laughs> It's designed to bite a kangaroo or a wombat on the neck. And if you have a look at a wombat, they virtually don't have a neck. They're just all muscle yeah, right. and fat and they're stocky as. So something that's got a jaw that opens that wide clearly has got the capacity to bite something reasonably large. Yeah. And if it's a reasonably large animal, then you, you kind of naturally assume that it's going to have a pretty powerful bite. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So what kind of, did the, um, the Tasmanian tigers, did they have any predators themselves besides humans, like any natural predators out in the wild? Um, some of the indigenous folks in Tasmania did actually hunt them and eat them. Um, I think there was about five or six language groups or different tribes to use the the politically incorrect word, but um, we call uh, Indigenous folks, Aboriginal people in, in Australia, mm -hmm. they have different language groups, so they speak different languages. Um, but yeah, some of them did hunt them and some of them did revere them, so they didn't all hunt them. Um, there is uh, another predator in Australia that's also rumoured to extinct that a scientist will tell you has been extinct for 10,000 years, and that's a marsupial lion, mm. uh, Thylacaleo carnifex, mm. and that's a semi-arboreal animal as well. And they're, they're, they're rumoured, there's a lot of sightings in Australia still of these animals. That's the animal behind the dreaded drop bear stories. Have you heard about the drop bears? It sounds familiar. It's ringing a bell, but um... well, people make a lot of jokes about koalas as right. being the drop bear, and they they Photoshop koalas and put big fangs in their mouth. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, the drop bear season, and a lot of people think it's a real thing. Well, <laughs> originally, the drop bear story came from the 1800s with people citing a bear-like animal with big nasty teeth that was in trees that did jump out and did scare the crap out of people. Um, and it's quite reasonable to assume that with hundreds of these sightings over the years, there's got to be something in it, just like mainland thylacines. Um, and, you know, there's there's quite a few scientists that have mentioned these thylacoleos historically as well as being a very much a part of the Australian fauna um, in the 1920s. There was they were mentioned in Australian fauna um, records as a living animal, but no one had managed to capture one, and that was in Queensland. Um, so yeah, they would definitely prey on thylacines because they're they're that little niche above the thylacines. Right. But again, we're getting into the obscure. No one's found a dead one, so they can't possibly exist. Realm, you see. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Kind of going on, um, I've noticed a couple times, you know, when you've mentioned um, the scientists, um, you've put quotation marks around them. So um, for those of you who may not be listening, I was throwing those quotation marks. So um, what's, I guess, what makes you throw those quotation marks around the scientists? Are, are you personally sending off um, data to, to labs or... Um, I do send off scat samples to get okay. tested for DNA when I get a real fresh one. 
Gotcha. Um, we did have a hit once with a scat sample, but the reason why I use the quotation marks is because basically the science officially controls the narrative, okay? Now, if you're a scientist, you're meant to be open to the evidence that's presented. But sadly, in Australia, when it comes to this subject, 90% of the scientists out there aren't open at all. And they're quite closed, narrow-minded, arrogant, and just outright rude. Um, and some of the leading scientists in this field are some of the rudest scientists that you could try and talk to. And I don't think that that's very healthy for science as a whole. It's not healthy as a, a leading role model in, in this field of, of um, endeavour. Um, and I'm by no means trained. I'm by no means a scientist. I'm a gardener by trade. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm passionate and I'm interested. And I've spoken to hundreds of people who all have had very similar experiences quite independently of each other. And I've found a lot of footprints that don't match any kind of dog breed on the planet and then quite large. Um, but again, when you speak to the scientists, oh, they're too big to be a thylacine, so they must be dog. Well, they're not dog. I've had dog experts tell me they're not dog. They have no known breed of dog on the planet. So what are they? Um, right. So you know what I mean? It's, I, I really want science to get on board and say, yes, there's something in this. And to a degree, some of them have. Online, there's a thing called Natural Worlds, which is the official online thylacine museum. And it's a fantastic resource. It's got some great stuff on there. And in the opening paragraph on that website now, there's two scientists that set it up. I think it's Stephen Slateholm and Cameron Campbell. They openly say in there that they believe that the animal is an endangered species because there is just too many credible sightings for everybody to be drunk on their way home from the pub. <laughs> so, you know, and and... So why can't we go that step further and say, all right, let's get together and have a look at what you've got? Well, no one wants to talk to me because I'm a bit of a big mouth, I suppose, and I just do what I want. And I don't get funded by any of them, so I'm not under their rules and regulations of the way they conduct themselves and all that sort of caper. So and that's fine. I don't care if they don't want to talk to me. And and look, I've released plenty of ambiguous photos and videos, but whatever we get, we put out there. Yeah. That's it. That's always been our motto. If we find some proof, we're going to show people and we'll explain what we think. We'll argue with you. We'll fight about it. We'll block you from the group, whatever, you know, it goes pear-shaped often. But, um, yeah. you know, you got to, you know, scientists weren't talking about this animal when I started this group. Um, and to a degree, I'll take a little bit of a claim of fame on that one because we've yeah. raised the awareness. We've stirred the pot and, you know, they're actually talking about it now. And, you know, unofficially in Tasmania, they're looking for it. They haven't announced it, but I know they're looking for it. Ta University of Tasmania, has, they're doing a fauna survey in the southwest of Tassie. Really? But they're not looking for paddy melons, I can tell you. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, it's funny because it seems like we're both kind of in the same boat, but in different kind of realms. So, you know, I, in this podcast, I investigate, you know, alternative history and being able to question the modern narrative of history. And, um, Good you on know, you. I feel like you're kind of in that same boat, but except you're questioning the thylacine and, you know, the science behind the thylacine and, you know, the same thing with, um, you know, just, just spreading the word, being able to say that you don't, no, you know, these scientists seem like 
they're very confident that the the creature doesn't exist but you know it's it's more so an i don't know question to me because i've seen personally a lot of very convincing photos um, from yourself and from others um and videos as well um yeah. the only thing that i've really seen that's kind of thrown me off about a lot of uh, thylacine photos and videos that I've seen, not necessarily from you, but just from what I've seen on, um, you know, the internet. Say, yes, it's all right. My dog's getting a bit uppity. <laughs> that talkative <laughs> dog. Um, yeah. So what I've noticed is a lot of critics out there are criticizing the photos and videos and they're looking at the heels of the animals and they're mm. saying that, you know, a lot in a lot of these videos, the, um, the heel, the back heel of the animal is too high um, to be a thylacine in a lot of these cases. And they equate them to being like a dog or, you know, like a German shepherd or a fox or something. Um, but I've seen a, quite a few videos that show the short heel. In fact, just before you called in, I was watching a video of a very convincing video of a thylacine. Um, Which one so what, was that? Um, I don't remember the channel oh shoot I closed out of it um but it was some guy he was like a Mexican guy um and he claimed to have been in some zoo abandoned zoo and he was oh, around one. there yeah, that's that's photoshop that is it cool. is it you yeah, know it was convincing BS. and I was watching a couple things about it and I wasn't sure about it <laughs> it's I'm a like, real policy damn it's real not in Mexico that's so <laughs> <laughs> you know what that's fair why didn't I think about that it's from fucking Mexico guys <laughs> don't listen to what I say <laughs> Jesus Christ Look, so I'll just I, edit I that whole what, part out. I just sound like an idiot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> never say never. Hey, That's never one thing never. I learned through all of this is never, ever tell people what they're telling you is bullshit and wrong. There never. You go. Just listen to what they say. Take it on board. The more far out it is, usually the more true it becomes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, why did I, you know, that's the thing is I, it's, you guys, who's listening? It is seven o'clock in the morning where I'm at. Neil's nice and awake at eleven thirty at night over there. But oh my gosh, what am I thinking? Yeah, that's Mexico. But I mean, hey, what if there's what if it was a chupacabra or something? I don't know. But yeah, look, chupacabra is <laughs> a real thing, but it's not a thylacine. That would be that would be a plot twist. If <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not a thought. I don't know what it is. It's a weird looking thing. I've seen some great videos and photos of a dead one. Um, really, it's got these two weird round things on its butt. It's like you plug it into something almost. It's really weird. <laughs> it's like a um, robot. I've seen some great. I used to, I remember looking at Chupacabra videos. Oh, probably just before I started the group. Actually, it was back in my early days of YouTubing and looking at weird stuff. I guess. Um, but yeah, mate. Honestly, the the, the the there's some good videos out there. Look, we've we've put mm. out a couple that are probably maybe maybe not. I think, you know, of all the stuff we've put out, the, the one that's in our doco at the very end, the stripey bum, where it's mm -hmm. just sitting off camera and you can see the stripes on its right, back. Right. In the very first frame of that clip, you see its ear just for a second. And it's a very low, wide, round ear. There's no way that's a wallaby. Absolutely not. That's a juvenile thylacine sitting there grooming itself and the bugger wouldn't get right on camera for me, you know? Right, that was right. 2015. I caught that little bit of footage off that trail camera. Um, 
And that little baby that I released in February, March, you know, the, the cat brigade came out. No, it's a cat. It's a cat. Yeah, it's I was cat. just about to ask about that because I was looking at stuff about that. And almost every person that I watched read, they said it's a cat turning its head and, you know, it's or it's a cat running away from the frame or something like that. Um, so what do you, I have, mean, you, what do you have to say? Have you watched the clip that I produced on our YouTube channel only a couple of weeks ago where I interview a lady called Norma Baker? I don't think I watched that one. Okay, I've, I've only just put it out. So it's it's quite recent, two or three weeks ago. The lady is a fauna rescue person. So she's hand raised literally hundreds of paddy melons in her career. She's been doing it for over 60 years, 60 gotcha. years experience right. handling paddy melons. Now, Nick Mooney, when he did that report on that photograph, he said that it's a marsupial. He never once said that it's a cat. Now he knows that it's a marsupial because when you have a look at that back foot, it's a shiny leathery back hock. Now only marsupials have those. Cats do not have them. It's that simple. There's only one breed of cats that have a smooth um, rear foot, a hock, mm. but they don't have any hair. They're bald. And I think they're from Mexico, actually. <laughs> so it, it's clearly a marsupial. That's unequivocal. And the cat brigade can say whatever they want, but that is a juvenile marsupial. Now, Norma went on the record to say unequivocally, there's no way on earth that's a paddy melon. So she, she couldn't say, I think it's definitely a thylacine, but she said it's definitely not a paddy melon. So it isn't a quoll because it doesn't have spots and the tail and everything's wrong for it to be a quoll anyway. It's definitely mm. not a devil. Um, it's not a rat. It's not a bandicoot. It's not a wombat. Um, it's not any other kind of four-legged marsupial. So if it's not a thylacine, but it's a marsupial, what is it? You know, we're running out of options. Right. When I did that video walking down the street, all happy with a can of beer celebrating because I knew we'd got something worth getting excited about mm -hmm. i did say quite clearly the mother and the father are ambiguous but the baby is bang on the money now what the hell is a baby predator doing hanging out with two patty millers that's always been my argument it just makes no sense so the mother is very ambiguous but you can quite clearly see she's got a wide head because the line of her ear is almost out to her rib cage now patty melons have a wide bum and a narrow head. So if that's an adult paddy melon, why has it got a long linear back and rib cage coming out near the, the ear? So the ear line is, it's got okay. a broad head. There's no way that that first animal is a paddy melon. Right, but, right. You know, the media had fun and that, there's a couple of twits online. I'm not going to mention their names because I'm not going to give them any free air, but there's a couple of twits on YouTube that know more than everybody um and have and had a field day at my expense but you know i don't give a shit they can say what they want yeah. but they got so desperate they talk about my weight and you know are we a hate group and all this crap they just make up anything to get a bit of airplay you know yeah well but that is a baby thylacine I, yeah. I would bet my life on it i know that's okay. a baby thylacine yes it's not as crystal clear as we would hope because it didn't quite turn sideways but the photo of the face from the night before isn't a quoll, isn't a devil, isn't a cat, and isn't a dog. So we're again, we're running out. And I'm positive that that's the little baby's face the night before that was running around in the ferns there, 
misbehaving while his mum and dad were out hunting for it. Um, and um, the next day, mum and dad grabbed it and they all left in a line and the dad followed to protect from the rear, like they're known to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that little baby is probably now, you know, it's, uh, what, 18 months later or something. Right. So it's probably, yeah. you know, a, a adolescent now. It's probably as big as my Kelpie dog here. So nice. Um, yeah, if so it's still alive, hopefully. Have, but have you, I got uh, so excited because that was proof of breeding, you know, we've got a baby one. Yeah. That's very something true. to get excited about. Yeah. Have you, um, so in, in the area that you got those like initial pictures that really um, blew up on, you know, the news around your area? I mean, I, I did a Google search of you and, I mean, there were quite a few um, news channels that were covering your photos, your videos, um, your YouTube video where you were celebrating. Um, of course, Vice even got on the train and had you on there and, you know, you interviewed with Vice. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's like if it wasn't something interesting, you know, why would all these news uh, channels be covering it if it was just a cat or something? It was that demonstrable to just be a cat or a patamelon or something, you know, why are all these news stations so interested in it and so convinced by it? Um, well, yeah. they, they weren't cause they hadn't seen it. I made them wait for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> then they kicked the shit out of me after that. That's fair. Um, but you know, I, I, like I said, I don't really care what they think because I know in my heart what I, what I got a photo of and I've had, you know, quite a few well-educated people have a look at it and say, no, nah, it's definitely not a patty melon. So and, you know, we had a vet with 30 years experience um, and he said, look, I'll give you 80% on it being a thylacine, but it's just not smiling at the camera. I want to see its face <laughs> and its side, you know, with those stripes down the side. So, right. you know, better luck next time. That's all yeah. good. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, super interesting stuff. Um, I was drawing a blank on my question for you, but so... My question would be is what can, you know, me as a normal person all the way in Michigan, who's super interested in the thylacine and wants to help however I can, what can I do to help your search for the thylacine all the way in Michigan? Well, it's really simple, actually. Um, we've just, um, we, I mean, we, we don't constantly, but we constantly attempt to because I'm the one that does it but I'm pretty busy, but um, we, we update our website quite regularly. Um, we do have a sponsorship thing for trail cameras. So people can actually sponsor a trail camera um, costs $120 Australian a year. Mm-hmm. So it's about, you know, $2.50 a week or something. Right. Right. Um, which isn't much. No. Um, and what that does is it pays for the trail camera. It pays for the batteries. It pays for a couple of SD cards and, puts $20 petrol in my tank to drive around and do all this stuff, right? <laughs> so we're not exactly making a lot of money out of it, but people can sponsor a trail camera. And then every three, four months when I bring in the cameras, I go through all this, the, the cards and any good photos, good videos, I'll make a, a zip file and email them off to the sponsor. And they can have the, the joy of going through and seeing all of these really cool Australian animals firsthand. Yeah. And, you know, we have a bit of a one-on-one banter. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty accessible. People can email me or ring me and talk to me. I'll make myself available as much as I can um, and get to know me and get to know why I do all these crazy things. And, 
Um, we also have basic membership as well because we're actually an incorporated association um, and that gives them, you know, a little sew-on patch and they get a bumper sticker and a certificate of thanks. And, you know, I think a basic membership is 50 bucks and then it's 120 bucks a year to sponsor a camera. Um, and, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, we had a couple of school teachers in America that sponsored cameras and one in the UK as well. Nice. So then, you know, I'd email off all these photos and stuff and they'd go through them with the kids and the kids yeah. are learning about native animals and they're seeing them in there in the wild doing their thing. And it's, it's really cool. cool, you know, cause it's, it's a good learning tool and it's simple and it's, you know, not that expensive. It's reasonably yeah. cheap. Not everyone's got a lot of money these days because of, you know, the way the world is at the moment, yeah. but um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, Everything on our website's there, you know. People can download and copy any of the photos on there and use it as a reference. You know, well, this is what Neil thinks a thylacine's footprint looks like. So mm -hmm. maybe this is a bit of a guide, you know, or, you know, there's lots of info on there. There's there's our YouTube channel. If people watch our YouTube clips, we make about half a cent or whatever it is every time they watch a, a YouTube clip with advertising. So we make a little bit of money out of that and that goes back in the kitty and helps to pay for stuff. So I've actually just ordered 15 um, trail cameras. A friend of mine overseas nice. um, helped me out and got them on, on special, some really good ones. Very so cool. um, they're on their way. Yeah, I was, I was gonna ask, um, one, how many trail cameras do you have out there right now? And two, have you caught anything relatively close to the clarity of the pictures from February, March of last year? Have you came across anything, uh, I, I guess, bigger than those pictures? No, um, no, I haven't. I haven't got Not anything yet. any clearer from our trail cameras. We've got all up. We've got about, I think we've got about 20, 25 cameras on the mainland that gotcha. are sponsored or managed by members from the group. Nice. Um, some of those are historical, like we've, we've had some, some of the cameras have been out there for oh, five years, wow. um, some of the mainland ones. And then Mark Taylor, who's the vice president of Tagoa, he manages about 15 of our cameras in South Australia. We get a lot of sightings from South Australia. Um, we've had three from Victoria this year so far. The last one was last Monday night. And at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning, um, Australian time, that interview will be on our YouTube channel for people to have a listen to. Nice. So that's with a guy called Matt Blake. That's the one you've got to look out for. So um, I interviewed cool. him yesterday and sat up late last night editing it. Not that I'm much of an editor, but I made a little audio clip for it. In fact, I'm a terrible editor, but you know, I'm getting there. <laughs> um, yeah. You gotta, so that, you gotta that comes out tomorrow. So, you know, people can support us just by being positive and, and you know, manifest that little bugger. You know, that's what we've got to do. It's the power of our minds to manifest these things. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I mean, like I would say, go ahead and follow Neil and Tagoa on, you know, Facebook, Instagram. I gave him a follow on all that stuff and um, some really interesting things. And, you know, you mentioned the Facebook group. Um, I, I joined that Facebook group and, you know, I'm looking looking at all the interesting stuff going on in there. Um, yeah, that's, it's super interesting. So all in all, if we were to take away the, the photographic and video evidence, what is mm. the number one thing besides the photos and videos that makes you say, 
thylacines are real. What is the number one smoking gun for you? Definitely the prints that I find. Okay. And a very, very tight, close second, if not equal place would be the hundreds of people that I talk to that have seen it. You know, there are thousands and thousands of sightings on record. Um, Some of them are from tourists that have never even heard of the animal and they describe it to a T. So I, I can't discount that. That to me, I love people. People are great. Some people are terrible, you know, but <laughs> that's fair. the experience of people and getting to know people and learning about people and their, what makes them tick fascinates me. It always has. Yeah. So when you, when you, you know, I've got, I, I just had a look at the group before. I've actually been banned from posting on Facebook for six days because of my oh. political beliefs. Oh, come but on. That's fine. Political um, I've upset the, the cronies that run Facebook. But anyway, I just had a look <laughs> at our group. And we've got 32 member requests. In those 32 members that are trying, people that are trying to get in, nine claim to have seen a thylacine. So what I do is I message them personally, welcome them to the group. I send them a friend request purely so they see the message request. Mm-hmm. Some of them want to talk to me. Some of them don't. On average, about two thirds of them are happy to chat to me, and then about Two-thirds of those two-thirds are happy to do an interview. So I'll get an audio recording. I'll smash it out on YouTube as soon as I can. And that just keeps the interest happening. Brings the trolls out to have another kick at Neil and a punch at Neil. And I hit block from our YouTube channel and I don't have to read their bullshit anymore. There you You go. (laughs) So I love that block thing. It's like, yeah, you want to be constructively critical. That's fine. But if you want to be an ass hit the road. So I just boot them. I don't, I'm not interested in negative Nancy's that I've got one troll that's been chasing me for years and he pops up with a different ID all the time, but he's only got one personality. It's quite yeah. funny. Yeah. I think so, I know who you're talking about. I've seen a couple of videos out there of some, I, I guess, critics of you. So, I mean, I think I have an idea who you're talking about. We're, we're not going to mention him here, but <laughs> them talk incredibly quick. <laughs> yep yep i know what you're talking about um yeah i mean i think it, there's a difference between constructive criticism and just straight up putting people's ideas down you know yeah, you can you can critique dick, you what know? people believe you can ask questions like we're doing here i'm just genuinely curious but i'm not going to sit here and call you stupid you know for your beliefs or nothing you know if if you feel like you've seen a thylacine i legitimately want to know and i want to see the evidence for it you know because yeah thylacines are out there i want to know you know (laughs) that's it it's people are curious and and i don't know i don't like to force sunshine up my own bum but i think because i'm down to earth as much as possible most people appreciate that you know and i am approachable people can email me, ring me, whatever they want to do, and I'll talk to them. And, and you know, there's a, a lot of people lack that, I think. Some people are a little bit too, you know, up themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and sadly, the more academic they become, the more they become like that, you know. Um, and the other thing when I was doing the inverted commas about scientists mm-hmm. is, scientists is um, you know, they've, they've got millions of dollars to throw at trying to clone this thing, but they haven't got five cents to try and prove it's there, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. always been a harsh criticism of, of mine, and I'll I'll carry that one to the grave because gotcha. you know, like 
And oddly enough, the same scientist that wrote the paper for the thylacine's extinction is the same scientist that popped up a few years later wanting to clone it. Really? You so want to are talk conspiracies? There's one for you. Yeah. Are they working on cloning it right now? Is that something that's uh, going on? There's, there's, there's a, another academic um, scientist that's trying to get funding to clone it, but, you know. Yeah. It's one I, I said to him, get your calipers out and do some real science, do some hard ass measuring. And, you know, but, you know, no, you've got to bring us DNA. We need DNA. You know, what did, how did scientists do anything before DNA come along? You know, like seriously, right. Calvin, it's <laughs> like, how did we get here before we had DNA? Like, how did they recognize that that was a giraffe without DNA? You know, that is a fair point. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, Neil, I've had such an awesome time. I've had a really interesting conversation with you. Um, I, I've learned a lot of things about the thylacine that I didn't know before. And I've obviously cool. still got a ton of research to do. And I'm obviously going to be following your work and the work of other people, um, part of the Togoa group that are advocating and still searching for something that is considered extinct. That's super interesting to me. You know, never stop looking, no matter, no matter who says it's extinct or not, just never stop looking because you never know. Um, we nah, rediscover look, species all the time. That's right. It's exactly right. There's been probably about a dozen just of Australian species in the last 10, 15 years, you know, without the yeah. other ones around the world. Um, never, ever say never, my friend, because things pop up and all of a sudden they go, oh, well, we, we need to rewrite the book, you know, because yeah. we, and look, if things keep popping up, Calvin, um, clearly their extinction modeling is flawed. That's fair. Well, we said it's extinct because we didn't find it. Well, did they actually leave their office or did they just reference <laughs> other scientists' papers to come up with a conclusion? Right. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. All there's, right. There's a thing called science and then there's a thing called academia. And there's yes. a real gray area in between them. Oh, yeah. I talk about that a ton in my show. I must have made that difference, that difference multiple times in my podcast. <laughs> so you are Good right on, on the money with that. There's a difference between science and academia. Definitely. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, but Neil, I had an awesome time. Um, for people who are more interested in the thylacine, your work specifically, where can people find you and where can people learn more about this super interesting creature? Okay, so thylacine awareness group of Australia.com.au. That's our website. Um, have a look at the gallery and have a look at the other page on there called The Evidence Thus Far. They're the two pages that I would recommend. There's a little bit of history, there's a little bit of did you know and all that sort of stuff on there. There's also the support factor with donating or joining um, to go at Taz Inc. The other thing um, I would recommend is just keep an eye on our Facebook group. I do have an Instagram account, but I don't have Instagram. Work that one out. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to get on there, I guess, one day. But one day that's in the in the to-do list. And the other thing, too, is have a look at Natural Worlds, um, the Thylacine Museum online, because it is a fantastic resource. And we've got a couple of scientists on there that are open-minded, not closed-minded. And they're willing to put their reputations on the line and actually say, we think it's endangered and not extinct. So kudos to them. You know, awesome. I applaud that, you know, yeah, applaud, give them that's where they need to be. Yeah. 
It's all about just being open-minded. That's what this whole show is about. It's about questioning things that you're not necessarily supposed to question or may get criticized for questioning. That's the whole point of the show. And that's why I have you on here because I wanted you to defend yourself and defend the thylacine and why it exists. But once again, Neil, thank you so much. I had a really awesome interview with you and uh, I hope to talk with you again real soon. Maybe, uh, maybe next time you find some really interesting photos or in or videos, or maybe when you just see one in person, you'll have to come back on the show and we'll have to take a look at some things. We'll keep an eye on what I'm doing online and I'm sure you'll know when to contact me. Will do. All right. Thank you, Neil. Good on you, Kevin. Thanks, mate. All the best.